You know, while we were away on our family trip, there was something interesting that happened. A bunch of us were going out to eat, I think it was one day for lunch, and this guy stopped. In fact, Shanna's dad and I, we were walking in kind of behind everybody else, and this guy stops, and he opens the door or rolls down the window, and he says, uh, hey, can you tell me where such and such is? And I said, well, well, I'll try. You know, I looked around. I tried to ask somebody. I tried to find out the information. I said, buddy, I'm sorry. You know, you've asked the wrong person. I'm not from around here. I don't know where that is. But I said, I can tell you how to get to heaven. I said, would you like to know how to get there? And he looked out the wind and he says, are you a Christian? I am a Christian. I'll see you in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) He kind of said in an African accent. And I thought, you know what, that really touched my heart. And I don't know what it was about that moment. It was almost like time just stood still. And the Lord just kind of fast forwarded my mind to a time that I'll be in heaven. And that man, whose name was Silas, will walk up to me and say, you remember me? You saw me in Atlanta, Georgia, and you asked me if I knew how to get to heaven. Won't that be cool? I mean, I really believe one day I'm going to see Silas in heaven. I'm going to know him longer than I didn't know him here on this earth. Amen? Isn't that cool? And that was only one thing that happened like that. There was a lady at Walmart that I had the opportunity to share with in the parking lot. We were actually asking her for directions. And I I asked her for directions. I said, hey, I don't know how to get to this place, but I can tell you how to get to heaven. So I had an opportunity to share with her. And then we went to another eating place. And and there was a young lady. And we said, hey, we're about to pray for our meal. Can we pray for you? And actually, I had something happen I've never had happen before. She said, sure, you can pray for me. You can pray for my boyfriend, Justin. I said, sure, we're about to pray for our meal. We'll pray for Justin. And she stopped and bowed her head. And waited. Usually people say that and they'll just kind of go about the meal, you know, getting the meal ready and they'll let you pray. But she actually stopped. Her name was Stephanie. She stopped and sat there and prayed with us as we prayed. I thought that was kind of cool. And those experiences caused me to think about this question. I want to challenge you with this tonight. How many opportunities do we miss every day to see God working? I want to talk to you tonight about are you missing opportunities? Specifically tonight, are you missing opportunities to see God at work? The first thing I want to share with you is this. God is always at work. Amen? A few years ago, I was doing a Bible study called Experiencing God, and some of you have done that Bible study. If you haven't done that Bible study, I would highly encourage you to do that study called Experiencing God. But in that study, one of the main points is what I'm talking about right here. God is always at work. And the verse that that was based upon in that study that was really kind of hit in that study was John chapter 5, verse 17. When Jesus said to some people, he said, My Father is working until now. Even up until this point, Jesus says, My Father is working. And then he said, And I myself am working. Isn't that good news tonight? Some of us wonder, is God working in this world? Has God forsaken this world? Has God specifically forsaken my life? But the good news is, the Bible teaches us that God is most definitely actively involved and working in this world. Another passage that I like is John chapter 4, verses 34 through 36. In that passage, Jesus said to them, he was doing some ministry and his disciples came along and he was trying to explain what he was doing. And Jesus says, listen, my food, 
What feeds me is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. There it is again, right? Jesus says, what I feed off of is doing the will of my father and doing his work. Now look at verse 35. It says, do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? He's talking about they would have planted, there would be sowers, and then four months later they'd say, okay, we've sown. Now four months later we can expect a harvest. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Hello, wake up, pay attention is what Jesus is saying, amen? Lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. What Jesus is saying is God's work is so active in this world, it's almost like they would have thought from a farming, from an agricultural point of view, we sow and then we wait around and then we reap. You know what Jesus says? God is so active in this world, the sowing is happening and the reaping is happening right now. We're not waiting for it to happen later. It is immediate. God is at work right now, and there's a harvest that he is wanting to reap. There's a lot of enthusiasm in those verses, isn't there? There's a lot of expectation. There's a lot of intentionality in those words that Jesus said. Many of you are part of the AmeriCade outreach that we did uh, a few weeks ago. And, you know, when I went to AmeriCade, I was expecting, in fact, I share with many of you, this is a great opportunity. Maybe you can't go to Thailand with us. Maybe you are excited about sharing your faith, about sharing about Jesus and his salvation, his forgiveness, his healing. You want to share that with other people. And maybe you can't go to Thailand with us to do that in the fall. And so I share with you, there's going to be people coming from all over the country that are coming to AmeriCade. You don't have to get on an airplane and go to them. They're going to come right to you. You can serve some barbecue. Well, I was thinking, you know, we're going to see people from Nevada. We're going to see people from Texas. We're going to see people from Minnesota. And we're going to be able to share about Jesus with them. Well, I'll tell you something that happened for me. Right about as we were kind of wrapping up America, I saw a guy that was sitting there by himself. And I just kind of, uh, I sensed in my heart that the Lord was saying to me, Hey, Robbie, I want you to go over and, and start a conversation with that guy. And I found out that of all the people that I talked to all that day from Nevada and Wisconsin and Montana and all over the country, this particular guy was from Queensbury, New York. In fact, he lives just around the corner from our building. And as I began to talk to him, I found out that he had actually been looking for some answers in his life. And he was very open to God, and he was exactly in that place that I've shared with you that I believe many people are in right now in their lives. I believe many people would say, I'm open to God, but I'm not really excited about what I've seen of church. That's what many people tell me, and that's almost, ver- that's almost word for word what this, uh, what this man said. He says, listen, I'm open to God, I'm hungry for God, I'm looking for answers from God, but every time I've tried church, man kind of snuck in there and complicated it. Amen, anybody? God was working in someone's life right around the corner from our building. In fact, let me tell you this. It was cool because as I began to talk to the man, two different people in our church family he had worked with over the years had invited him, separate people that didn't know each other, had invited him to come to church at New Hope. And God had brought this man. We're reaching out to the nation, the people from all over the United States, and God brought a man from Queensbury that we could encourage. God is always at work. Did you know that? 
And you know, sometimes like on our trip, sometimes I'm more in tune with that. Sometimes I'm more aware of that. It shouldn't be true, but sometimes it is. Sometimes it's easier to notice God working when you're out of your normal routine. Amen? Would you agree with that? In fact, sometimes it's easier to share your faith in Thailand than it is in Queensbury. Amen? It's easier to go somewhere else. It's easier to know. In fact, it's kind of odd. I can go to North Carolina. I can go to Georgia and I can notice needs. But when I lived in Georgia, when I lived in North Carolina, sometimes I got kind of settled and I didn't notice those needs. Isn't that interesting? Same place, but different perspective. The reality is, though, God is working all over the place, whether you and I notice it or not. God, did you know, is right now working in your family. God is working in your coworkers, the people that you sit beside every day at work and do your work. God is working in many of their lives. God is working in your neighbors, the people that, that, that you don't know very well. Because we don't take the time these days to stop and get to know our neighbors, but God is working. Do you believe that? But also we need to realize this. God is looking for partners. God's looking for partners in that work. There is story after story in the Bible where God is working in people's lives. And when he does that work, you almost always see that God uses another person to do, to be his servant, to intersect with that person's life. One example that I love in Scripture is Acts chapter 8. You can flip over there if you want to read along with me. But Acts chapter 8, verses 25 through 40, there's a story that's told about, many people call this the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. And I'll just read part of the story to you. It says, So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the good news, the gospel, to many of the villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. That is a deserted road, or a a, a barren road. There's nothing there, basically. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. So it was basically the minister of the treasury for the Ethiopians. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. Apparently, this guy had heard about God. And there was something in his heart that was responding to the message of God. And he was wanting to hear about God. And maybe he was even putting his faith in God. We don't know the whole story. He was, he, was, he was moving in that direction. Certainly God was working in his life. And it says he was returning back to his post in Ethiopia and sitting in his chariot and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless somebody guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. Now, the passage of Scripture which he was reading was, and it talks about a passage there in Isaiah chapter 53 that specifically talks about Jesus dying for our sins, okay? And then it says, Then the eunuch, that this man answered Philip and said, Please tell me, basically, who is this talking about? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this Scripture, he preached or he proclaimed, he shared with him about Jesus. Now, I want you to understand the context of this story. Here's Philip. And God apparently was working in a place called Samaria, and many of the disciples were working there. But God uh, gave his message to Philip. He says, Philip, I want you to go to this place. I want you to go to this road. And by the way, it was a deserted road. Basically a road that nobody traveled. 
In fact, many people people say archaeologically that what or historically what happened is the old Gaza had kind of been destroyed or shut down, and so there was a road that went there. Nobody used that road. Okay, so God called His servant to go to a road that nobody used. That didn't make sense, did it? And actually, it says uh, it uses the word in the translations here. It says, "Get up and go south." That can be translated, get up and go at noon. Now, if that is the correct translation, that, that makes even less sense. Nobody travels that road, and they certainly wouldn't have traveled it during the hottest part of the day. And so God speaks to a servant, Philip. He says, I want you to go to this road because I have someone that I want you to speak to there. And there was a very important man, a high official in Africa, who was seeking God And if you look at verses 36 through 40, that man was ready to receive Jesus as his Savior. And all God needed was one of his servants who was willing to listen and obey and follow God's direction and just share the good news. And here was a guy. In fact, can you imagine the guy was sitting there in a chariot reading the Bible? Like, duh. (laughs) He was reading Isaiah chapter 53. (laughs) You know, if here was a man who was who was pursuing the Jewish faith and he was reading the Old Testament scriptures and he was in the very scriptures that specifically deal with that the Savior was coming. I don't even need anybody to tell me, light bulb, what? God's working, amen? You ever heard the song, here's your sign? This is it. This is the time you're supposed to share. God's looking for partners. God wanted, God knew that there was someone who was going to receive him but God was calling one of his servants to be involved in that work. The word fellowship is a very important word to Christians. Many times when we hear the word fellowship, many times Christians, churches have basically made that food. Okay, We're going to have a fellowship. No, we're not. We're going to have refreshments. Refreshments are food, amen? That's coffee, that's donuts. You can have fellowship over food, Fellowship is much more than food. Food can be involved in fellowship, but fellowship really specifically means that we're getting together. We're connecting. Our hearts are becoming united. We're becoming one. We're sharing life together. Many of you are learning that idea of fellowship. You're connecting. You're becoming part of this church family. You're sharing life together with us. But did you know that the word fellowship can also be translated partnership? It can be translated participation together in some task. In fact, it's interesting in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, a very common passage that people quote when they're trying to encourage one another. It says in Philippians 1, verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. And many people put that on like cards or things like that. It's a a very sweet thing to say to a fellow believer. I thank my God every time I think about you. And Paul says the reason for that, he says, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Did you know that that word that is translated participation is actually the word fellowship? Some of the translations say that. I believe the King James says that. He says, I thank my God when I think about your fellowship, your partnership in sharing the good news from the beginning, even until now. So one of, the very, one of the most important terms to our faith, to our faith, fellowship, fellowship, connection with God and connection with others, is supposed to convey to us the idea that we are partners with one another, and we are partners with who? We're partners with God. In fact, I want you to listen to this amazing statement that Jesus makes 
in John 14, verse 12. He says, truly, truly, and that's basically his way of saying, you can mark this down. You can take this to the bank. Uh, Actually, the word truly, truly is amen, amen. Okay? He said, I'm telling you, this is absolutely true. This is a pretty strong statement. I say to you, he who believes or puts their trust in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Wow. Well, here's an even bigger wow. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Jesus says, if you are a follower of mine, you will do the same work that I'm doing. And, and I don't understand exactly what he means by this. He may mean because his work is expanding from one person himself, he's expanding to all of us. It's going to go worldwide. Some people believe maybe that's what he's saying. I don't know that that's what he said. It may be that. Maybe the works are going to be greater in number. But in some sense, he says something's going to change because he's going to the Father. Maybe even greater in some sense in power. Regardless of what he's saying, Jesus is making an amazing statement about our role in his work, isn't he? He says, I'm doing some work. You're going to do that work. In fact, you're not going to do second-rate work. In some sense, you're going to do even greater works. That's incredible, isn't it? It's pretty clear, isn't it? God is at work in this world, and he's looking for partners to do his work with him. Friend, does that just challenge you? Does that catch you? God is working in people's lives. And he's calling us. In fact, I want to see next. He's doing a little bit more than suggesting. He's doing a little bit more than saying, would you like to be? Or, hey, here's, you know, I know you got a lot of things going on in life. Here's here's one option. Here's what I would like to say. God compels us to join him in his work. Exodus chapter 3 is a very important passage to my own life because it's really the main passage that God used to call me to New York. A lot of the struggles that I went through, a lot of the things God spoke to my heart about are here in in Exodus chapter 3, verse 3, chapters 3 and 4. But I want you to focus on verse 7. In Exodus 3, 7, it says, The Lord was speaking to Moses about going to Egypt and about Moses being his servant to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And in verse 7, it says, The Lord said to Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. God says, I see that they are being, they're in slavery. I have seen that. I hear their cries as a result of that. For I am aware of their sufferings. Who's doing this? God's doing this, right? God has the burden. God has the concern. He says, so I have come down. Who's going to do something? God's going to do something. God is working. He says, so I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians, and I am going to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. That was just a way of saying a a blessed land to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me, Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. And at that point, I just want to say, amen, God. Amen. You you go. You're about to do something. I remember, I remember reading this passage. I was struggling with God calling me to come start New Hope. And I remember I was like, yes, Lord, you want to work? And then I read verse 10. 
Therefore, come now, and I will send you. That didn't seem like where the story was going to me, did you? I have seen. I am concerned. These are my people. I'm going to do something in their lives. Yes, yes. That's what kind of God you are. Therefore, remember we said that there's a therefore, it's there for a reason. I didn't get there like that. I don't know where God got that from. Where's that reasoning? But he, he says, therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh. I mean, do we understand what God was calling Moses to do? To go to the leader of Egypt? I mean, it'd be just as strange as if today God called you to go speak to the president. Oh, sure, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. They're going to just let me right in. Amen? (laughs) Just going to be no problem. I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. God says, I have something. Be very clear who's working. Did Moses have a burden? Was Moses just stirred up about, man, you know, I'm going to be doing this. No, God was the one doing it, but he says, come now and I will send you to do it. Another verse that brings that out is Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. In those verses, again, you see God's heart. God was doing something. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Wow, God, you're amazing. You're healing people. You're working. That's so cool. We like to see you doing that. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Now, that word, we won't get into it tonight. We have other times, but these words are strong words to basically say that people were being slapped around by life. Okay, people were hurting big time. And seeing that, to say the least, it bothered God. Isn't that good news tonight? God cares for us. And then I want to say, wow, you're an amazing God. Wow, God, you go save them. You go do something. We're going to pray for that. We'll sit back and watch you work. I'm sorry, you got to read the next verse. Then he said to his followers, the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers who will go into that harvest, they're kind of few. The harvest is plentiful. We don't have to wonder, is God working? Do you ever wonder if God's working in the world? Do you ever wonder? We do sometimes, don't we? Sometimes we feel like, where's the evidence that God is working in this world? Listen tonight, friend. You do not have to worry about that. God is at work. He is preparing people's hearts. People are getting ready to respond to God. Then my question would be, what's the holdup? Amen? If people, if God is working, if people are ready, why aren't more people turning to God? Friends, would you please hear the heart of our Lord to us, his followers? One of the biggest reasons that people are not coming to God is because the laborers are few. Let me put it another way. There is plenty of fruit to be picked, but there are not many people picking it. Does that bother you like it does me? I mean, I can struggle with God. God, why aren't you working? I can struggle with people. All those people, they're just not responding to God. I can do that. 
But when I find out, no, God is working, so I don't have to question him. No, people are open, so I don't have to question them. Now it's on. I got to be honest with you. Sometimes I don't want to ask somebody if I can pray for them when I pray for my meal. Amen? Sometimes I don't want to know. Amen? Sometimes I, I got enough going on in my own life. Or, or who, you know what I'm saying? But that totally transforms my thinking. Instead of being one of those, and friends, listen, I pray that we're never like this as a church family. Instead of being one of those, oh, woe is me Christians, or one of those woe is me church family who's always complaining about the world being so bad and the world being so against God, or who's wondering, why doesn't God do something? I don't understand. Instead of that perspective, I begin to realize that God is working and that people are ready to respond, but he's chosen to get the message out through me and the problem is, sometimes we would rather not do it. Amen? And I'm going to stand before God one day and see all the cool things that God could have done if I had just opened my mouth. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? The young lady in Virginia at that eating place where we'd, we stopped, we were traveling through. When I asked her, hey, we're about to pray for a meal, I could say, you know, uh, five out of ten times that, that I asked somebody that, it's just, sure, you can pray for me. Or, I don't know, that's kind of weird, never mind, no thanks. But five out of ten times, somebody tears up, or they say, wow, I've really been thinking about God. Or, or they say, you know what? <clears throat> I was just thinking this morning I'd given up all hope and I just needed God to to show me some sign that he still cared. And this is my sign. Wow. You mean all it took was me saying, can I pray for you to do that? Guess what? I didn't do anything, did I? God did it. God showed up in that person's life, but it took a little small willingness on my part just to open my mouth and let some good things come from him to them. Isn't that incredible? Is God shaking you, friend? Is he? Is he tonight? (laughs) Does it matter? Do you care that there are people that you're going to pass by tonight, tomorrow, this week, who right now God is working on, they're open. It's just a matter of will I be willing to be involved in his work. God's compelling us to join him in his great work. Some people have asked me about Thailand. People say, should I go to Thailand or not? And, and, you know, that's a valid question to ask. But after they ask me about the fourth time, I tell them, you know what? Not everybody's struggling with this like you are. You've asked me this several times. Maybe you ought to give that some thought. Amen. (laughs) But before that even, I would say this to all of us. Please listen. If you love the Lord, And if you take seriously his commands to go to the nations, if you are part of a church that loves God and gives you opportunities to serve God, I would assume, listen, this is a a paradigm shift. I would assume he does want me to go unless he talks me out of it. Now, that's that's a lot different. I understand we all don't need to do everything, amen? 
We all don't need to meet every need. But if God gives me opportunities, I'm trying to help us change our mindset. I'm leaning towards God is working in my midst. I'm expecting God to call me to do something. Amen? Do you see the difference? Whereas many of us, we take the perspective, I'm not thinking God would use me for whatever reason. I'm not thinking God would use me, and he'll have to talk me into it if he wants me to. Do you see the difference? If I believe, John chapter 4, God is bringing a harvest, and he's put me right in the middle of a bunch of people who are being a part of a harvest, I'm going to start assuming I better start getting some harvest stuff out. Amen? You understand what I'm saying? Now, I've mentioned Thailand, but you could name all the, all the different incredible opportunities. It's not a matter of specifically Thailand. It's not a matter of specifically Celebrate Recovery Open House next week or VBS in, in a few weeks or the Sportsman's Dinner this fall or the Soccer Clinic or New Hope Loves the North Country. But I look at all those things and I say, wow, wow, God has opened up a wide door of opportunity before us, hasn't he? This summer... There is potential for many, many lives to be changed, young and older, through this little group of people. Wow. Wow, and I think God would just say to us, are you paying attention to that? At the end of this summer, will God have intersected with somebody's life because of me? Is he compelling you to join him in some way? There are many reasons we don't join God in his work. Let me just give you a few. First of all, and, and, and in fact, if you want to read Moses, he made some excuses in Exodus chapter 4. He had some reasons why he thought, good reasons why he thought that he couldn't serve God. He couldn't be involved in God's work. He couldn't be used by God. He mentioned feeling inadequate. Anybody here feel inadequate? I hear it over. I'm so tired of the enemy's garbage. This is one of his favorite things. You are inadequate for this work. Well, you're right. I am. I remember when we were praying about starting New Hope. I had somebody very important in my life who I respected highly. He told me, this person told me, I don't think you're gifted in such a way that God could use you like that. (laughs) Well, there's a dagger to the heart. I'm trying to trust God, and here's somebody I respect saying, I don't think God can use you like that. You know what I told him? You're right. I agree. He can't. I don't believe in me either, but I can't help it. He wants to. Amen? <laughs> I can't help it. I'm trying to talk me out of it too. I want to go with you. But God's saying do it. It doesn't matter if I'm inadequate. He is adequate. Amen? More than able. Secondly, a lack of faith. Many times we don't join God in his work because we just we, we struggle to believe that it can happen. Can I just say something to you, friend? When I say that I'm not so sure that God can work through me to do something, I'm actually saying more about what I believe about God than about myself. I'm saying, I don't think we meant to do that, right? So that's why I'm trying to identify it. I'm saying I'm not so sure God could do that kind of thing through a person like me. I'm making a statement about God. I didn't mean to do that. God, I do believe you're able. Amen. Third reason that we don't want to sometimes is just flat out disobedience. I don't want to do it. <laughs> when it came down to it, Moses in Exodus chapter 4, he, he just he, he, had, he had given all of his excuses. In fact, one of them was I'm not a good public speaker. 
But he had spent like a whole chapter arguing with God. He's a pretty good speaker, amen? <laughs> He's a guy to get tongue-tied, but he had been pretty eloquent with God. And finally, at the end of it, he just says, find somebody else. I don't want to do it. And God's like, now we're doing business. That was the point, wasn't it, Moses? Can I tell you one of the biggest reasons I see that we don't allow God to use us is self-absorption. Now, I thought about that word as I was preparing. That seems like a strong word, doesn't it? I don't like to think of myself as self-absorbed. That sounds, that sounds bad, doesn't it? But in my experience, that's what keeps many of us from being on mission with God. Listen to what I mean by that. I believe many of us are so wrapped up in our own little worlds, whether it's our own interests or maybe even our own problems. We are so absorbed in ourselves. I didn't know I was being self-absorbed, but isn't that kind of the definition? That we miss the opportunity to make an impact on others. And it can be just as simple as, here I am. <laughs> in fact, it was funny. This particular lady that we asked if we could pray for her, we had just like 10 seconds earlier gotten a little ill because we were in a hurry and it was slow service. And, and we were just that far away of just kind of getting a little perturbed, you know. We probably weren't going to say anything, but you know, having a little bit of attitude. We were in a hurry. This is taking a while. We got four kids. Come on, people. Can we get this going? Isn't this supposed to be a fast food restaurant? You know, all those kind of things. And then when the lady came over, thankfully, we asked her if we could pray for her. And then when she sort of just broke, <laughs> when she left, we were all like, man, we're such jerks. <laughs> we almost missed. Are you, are you with me? I'm so focused on, I got to get down the road five minutes faster. That's really going to make an impact on a 21-hour trip, isn't it? Many times, I don't stop and say, hey, chill out, buddy. You'll get your food. wonder what's going on in her life. Isn't that true? Aren't we guilty of that? Would you ask God to deal with that? Friends, I want you to leave here today excited. I can't wait tomorrow. I can't wait for the services. God's going to bring people. He's working, Amen. I can't wait. We're about to close this service. I trust that God's been preparing your heart. And you tell me every week that I can't believe it, Robbie. You preached on exactly what I need to hear. Thank God. That's him. Amen. So I'm trusting there's people here tonight. I can get up in the morning excited. I can walk through my day excited tomorrow. I can get up Monday. I can say, God, we're on a journey. You're working. You're inviting people to go along with you. I'm one of yours. I'm assuming I'm supposed to be on that journey. I can't wait to see what you have coming. Amen? Don't miss it. It's fun. It's fun. Because you get to know God in ways you've never got it. Wow, he does work. He does speak to people. He is changing lives. Instead of that, woe is me, the world's so bad, and da 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 I know it's bad, and it's going to get worse. But the darker it gets, the brighter the light shines. Amen? That's the kind of perspective God's people ought to have. Is that the perspective you have? Is God speaking to you about being a Christian who picks more fruit? Is there some fruit that God's wanting to pick in your life tonight?
You know, it'd be awesome tonight if there's somebody here that's never received that gift of salvation. And if tonight were your night, if I got to be the one, if Jeff got to lead the music, if the worship team got to sing the songs about a Savior and God spoke to your heart a few moments ago when we sang that and you've opened up your heart and if right now you would receive Jesus as your Savior, we would rejoice with you that we got the privilege of being a part, a small part of what Almighty God has been pointing your life to from the very beginning. Isn't that awesome? Tonight, it's no accident that you're here. God is intersecting your life. He might just be using us to do it. Would you recognize that and respond to it? Let's pray together for just a moment. God, I thank you for the expectation we can have when we follow you. You're on the move. You're doing something. You're working. You're saving people. You're changing their lives. And I get to be a part of that. Wow. God, you know, it scares me to death to stand up in front of a bunch of people and talk about you. But if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. Okay. God, I pray tonight, if you're speaking to somebody's heart about serving you, that they would get over themselves. They would be, more than that, dead to self. Lay down their life. And follow you. Lord tonight if there's somebody here. That's never personally accepted your gift of salvation. I pray that tonight. Maybe they've realized what a great love. What a great savior. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What a savior. Is what we sang tonight. Amen. Amen. We would say. What a savior. You're worth following. And I pray that someone would lay down their life. At your feet and invite you to come into their heart, they would just say, Dear Jesus, please forgive me for all I've done wrong, for my sins. Come into my life and give me your salvation. I want to follow you. For your children here tonight, Lord, God, please forgive us. We're trying to grow in you, Lord. And you know how we struggle. I pray tonight you've just identified in someone's heart some area of growth that will make them more effective as your servant in the lives of others. And that they would respond to that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be down front as we sing this song. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand together with me. But as we sing, it's a time to commit, to make a commitment to God. You can just privately, between you and God, just call out to Him and talk to Him. You can get on your knees. You can close your eyes. You cannot sing. Whatever. If you need to come forward, Sometimes just making a move physically says, I'm serious, God. If you need to do that, and just get on your knees down front. Not for anybody else, but just for you and God. Just show Him you mean business. You're welcome to do that. If you want to talk to somebody, whatever it is, whatever decision, and it could even be something even more specific, like you're ready to be baptized, or you want to become a member of our church family, or God's calling you to go to Thailand, or to serve Him in some specific way. Whatever it is, please don't leave without us helping you if we can.